Unapologetically Asian, the place where we talk about navigating through adulthood as Asian Australians. Today you're joined by Tiana, Nathan and Eugene. Welcome to part two of a conversation that I had with Nathan from Pear and Eugene from the Sneaker Laundry. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you can check it out. It was last week's episode and it was all about how they grew up in Singapore and China, going to military school and childhood trauma and how that really contributed to the boss-ass entrepreneurs that they are today and today we're going to be deep diving into their businesses ins and outs as well as success and failure let's go um and like yeah like i went down that road and realized like a job is not as secure as a lot of people think Mm -hmm. right it's like one day you're useful the next you're not and if you're not performing at your job as well you're at risk of getting chopped so then so then how secure is a job right so there's false sense of security everyone's going oh well, i'm gonna work a job i'm gonna work at this and like, you can drop that anytime you, you, your, your role can just be you know be be useless tomorrow you know ai come out and half the copyrights lost their job overnight you know what i mean like it's it's the way it's the way it's the way of the world like you know so don't be lulled into like this false sense of security i feel like you know, and, and, and definitely just like define your own success, I feel like just like whatever makes you happy, mm. like seriously. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that's so true. I think there is definitely a false sense of security when it comes to like working at a corporation. You're like, oh, yeah, got a snazzy job. Like I'm getting paid a certain amount of in- like it just seems like stability, security, everything's quite regular. But you're right. Like you are quite disposable at that sense as well, because you never know what could happen tomorrow. So having your own thing. I think is is it's actually something that I think is happening more and we kind of touched on it before that there is it, it is because we are lucky and we're privileged that we have the choice right mm. there's a, there's more choice now more than ever to do what you love to follow your dreams follow your passions let's start there about the precipice of when you were like okay there's a need in the market and I'm gonna go for it so when did that start for you guys so I've been a, I guess, um, consecutive <laughs> entrepreneur. Like I, I started different businesses before Pair, and I've been constantly on the look for opportunities in businesses, because I just didn't want to get a nine to five job, I guess. And it was actually it actually started during early COVID when I had this idea. So I was doing my regular walks around the block because that's all that's all you can do, right? And I was just thinking about what to do next, you know, thinking about business ideas. And while I, while I was on my one hour walk, my sock would constantly f- slip off every, every time. Because I wear, you know, ankle socks or like no show socks the most. And it's, they just keep slipping off. And it was so annoying to a point that I just asked my co-founder Rex, like, what if we just make socks that don't slip? Is that a good idea? And, you know, the more we looked into the idea of socks, the more problems we found. Like most socks will stink, most socks will get holes in them, most socks don't keep you warm enough. Um, there's so many problems within that one little product that we could solve. And the more we think about it, yeah, the, the, the better business idea it looks like. So we started off you know, doing some R&D into the materials. So we get a material that doesn't stink, but also keeps you warm and also stays cool in summer. And we worked on the design of the shape of the sock. There's a 90 degree angle on the heels that kind of keeps it locked in. 
and you know there's extra arch support and there's seamless toes that you know gets rid of the irritation and all so we kind of spent all our effort like one year worth of attention on just that really simple product and made it the best and that's how we launched pair this motherfucker ruined socks for me i tell you what he did right he told me Hey Eugene, do you know my socks have no seams on it? I was like, what do you mean it's got no seams on it? You know, you know the goes, you know the socks like near your toes has always like stitching on, on the underneath? Yeah, mine don't have that. And then ever since he told me that, I've not been able to like unsee it. Right? So every time I put on a pair of socks that isn't his socks, I go, fuck, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> right? It just fucking ruined it for me. Like seriously, I was like, oh, this ain't the same anymore, man. This is, this is annoying. I can feel the stitching. I can feel the stitching. This is so annoying. So yeah, he, I can sing a hand Once you go pair, you don't go back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. Yeah. That should be a new slogan, I think. <laughs> well, that's what all our customers say. Like ah. actually most of our customers have already thrown out their whole sock wardrobe and oh, just wow. changed to sock, yeah, changed to yeah. pair. We're wearing some right now. So here we go. Everyone, we can, we can show yeah, you. we should we should touch feet. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> <A bit> too, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so your co-founder Rex. Shout out Rex. Um, hey, Rex, Rex is not <laughs> Rex is not here. We wish you were. Um, so your co-founder were you guys mates beforehand, or how did that come about? So Rex and I have been best friends since uni. Uh, we've met uh, year one in uni, and we've just been best friends since and I think that was the most I got out of Melbourne Uni shout out to Melbourne Uni (laughs) (laughs) and yeah Rex has been my best friend ever since we've been friends for 14 15 years or more I can't I lost count and we started previous business together you know we we used to be in a debate team together and yeah we've just been really close friends and I guess what makes us a good what makes a good partnership is our skills actually complement each other. We have very different skill sets. I work on like more of the creative, branding, uh, tech side of um, our business, whereas Rex works on the supply chain, manufacturing, and logistics. Mm-hmm. So he is something very physical, like in terms of business, and I work on everything that's you know, intangible. And that kind of keeps us separate and no one steps on each other's toes. And that really worked for us. Yeah. We're still really good friends now <laughs> after three years in business. You would hope so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's good. That's testament to how strong your relationship is. You hear that a lot, right, about how yeah. co-founders or anyone, partners, anything like that, that you have to have skills that complement each other mm. because otherwise I guess clashes can happen when yeah. you're working on the I hear stories thing. of you know friends starting a business and then breaking up like mm. every day, every day. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think eight so. out of it's ten. It's a make or break, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's it, it's quite consistent. I think, but the the problem is that like I guess when when friendship and business mix, right? Especially um, when you're doing like like a startup, it's very high high speed decision making. You have to make these decisions fast, and they have to be the right decision because one wrong decision, it's like one misstep, it's like see you later, yeah. right? One wrong lease you sign, it's like it's gonna be just your death warrant, like. So it's so it's so important that I think that like having two different people, two completely different skill sets, just means that you can trust each other that you are the best person for that job, and that you, for example, you you and Rex, for example, you'd be like if it's a supply chain thing that you are going to make the best decision and a way better decision than I'll ever make. So you just make that decision, and I'm going to make my decision based on the branding and the website, and you you'll just trust that I'll make the best decision. And even if I make a mistake, you'd probably make a mistake twice as bad. That's just the way. Like I think it, what it takes to make a business go forward really, really quick. Mm. Um, and the second you have two people that are just literally the identical same person, you just spend all day 
going, oh, I really think the website should be like the light, a lighter shade of blue, mm. two shades lighter, <laughs> maybe. you know, like shit like that. Yeah. It's just like, come on, man, like life needs to go on, you know. I'm a, I'm a big person on like efficiency mm. and I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm, <laughs> I want to make all the calls, but I prefer every decision in like strategies or, or team decisions. It's better to have less people making the decision, yeah, like sure. less chefs in the kitchen is always mm. better for startups at least because mm-hmm. you need to move really, really fast. Yeah. And the more conversations you have, the more back and forth you have. It's just more time you waste. Yeah. Brother, the day you and me get paid per hour, we'll sit around a table and talk about what color we want the lady. <laughs> you know, what shade of blue and what shade of fucking green we want the, yeah. 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 Um, what about you, Eugene? What about your, your story? Your, your um, story the sneaker laundry? I was quite similar. Like I, I was really desperate to not work a nine to five. I think, uh, and shout out to all the lawyers out there, I think being a lawyer is very depressing. Um, and I think consistently, if you ask a lot of lawyers, a lot of them drop out from being lawyers after the first year because it is that depressing. Um, and even my internship showed me how depressing it is. Like, you know, if you're so in family you tried law, it. yeah, when I, was, I tried a couple of internships, it was like family law is so much about just like families breaking up and whatever, and like oh, that people dying and yeah. do my will and shit like that. You know, like commercial law is always about someone on, on the brink of bankruptcy being sued you know like you know and whether it be a mum and pop shop being sued by a landlord or whatever it is it's just a sad story somewhere somehow all the time and you don't always get to represent good people it's not really your choice of so i was like oh this isn't really for me um i was as you know doing uh a night called i love r&b at the time um and i knew for a fact if i finished uni and did that as a full-time thing and just nightlife as a full-time thing i would wow i reckon i would yeah I don't think I could get disowned at the time, but like, cause I'm too old, but I guess like metaphorically disowned would be it. Like if like, yeah, like so, and, and also for me, I knew it was probably not a good move. Like nightlife is quite volatile and, and, and it really is, it shifts really quickly. It's not stable. It's not reliable. Um, and so, you know, I, I knew I needed something else to, to sort of like carry me over. Um, and then this idea hit, um, it was actually, uh, it, it was actually I actually remember the moment I had the idea was when someone tried it in New York I think or LA it was Jason Mark they tried it there and I was like oh it's a good idea I remember you know just you know guys we take like half an hour on a shit or just like scrolling through like whatever I was like oh fuck that's a pretty good idea just think about this and the more I sat with the idea I just went like that is right like you know why don't we clean our shoes like seriously why why don't we and Australia's always been slow to adopt to concepts from overseas. You go, why, why don't we clean our shoes? We just keep buying them and throwing them away. And like, what happens if I really like this shoe? Well, maybe, you know, then you look online, it's like bicarb soda and toothbrush, you know, and then or like some wet wipes or some shit like that, you know, like none of it's really like, how do you clean suede? How do you clean this? How do you, it's just not really out there, you know, and they'll teach you how to shine your leather shoes and shit like that. It's Mr. Minute and all these other lame ass brands out there. And you just got you know, and you're supposed to like listen to these guys tell you how to clean, you know, your sneakers. Nah, I was like, yeah, cool. This this idea is going to have sense. I did a survey, a uh, hundred people before we started the brand and started the business. And I think most of the hundred people said, and even as friends said, they wouldn't use the service. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, and then it was at a pivotal moment. I asked myself, I said, does this survey even matter anyway? Was I going to fucking do it anyway? And I said, yeah, I was going to fucking do it. So then 
we just did it, right? Like, so I don't, you're like, <laughs> throw a fucking survey out. And a right, few years sorry. later, yeah. So from this, we can see that Eugene's stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> Very stubborn. No, no, no. I'm, I'm logical. I'm not stubborn. I'm logical. Because I asked myself, yeah. <laughs> I did the survey because I wanted to start this business, right? Yeah. And market research tells you, you should, like, business, yeah. you know, you yeah. tell you, you got to do your survey yeah. before you do the thing. But what would these guys know? They, they never used the service before, right? Yeah. So you're asking someone if they would use a service that they have never even fathomed before. Right. Right. So then a few years later, I heard this quote from Henry Ford, which is funny because it's quotes a very old quote, which is like, you know, if, if I had asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Mm. Right. So like, it's funny because everyone sits there going like, you know, I want maybe cheaper and better shoes or better access to more shoes or whatever. And, and just an idea has never occurred to them that they can just clean yeah. their shoes. Yeah. Right, and you know what the funniest thing is, like now when cost of living is going up, people can barely afford to pay for a whole bunch of other shit. They will clean the shoes. I have to agree with Eugene on this. I think you know Steve Jobs also said customers don't really know what they want. Mm-hmm. And when we first started Pair, we would ask everyone, "Would you buy a twenty dollar pair of socks?" No one said they will buy it. Yeah. They were like, "Why the fuck will I buy twenty dollar pair of socks?" That is so interesting. Why? And now I- it's thirty dollars for a pair. <laughs> <laughs> And it's still selling out. Like right now, the socks and undies. Who's laughing now? (laughs) That is is so wild to me because that's so true. Like in uni, like because I did a commerce degree, everyone tells you, you got to do that market research because what's the point of starting a business if there's no need? But guys, don't go to uni. (laughs) Listen to Eugene and Nathan. There you go. You got an idea. If you believe in it, like, and obviously there's logic behind your uh, rationale behind your thoughts, right? But if you believe in something enough and you think that there is a need, then chances are someone else is going to I think there's a lot of tests along the way, right, that, yeah. that determine whether the, the other tests, other than just asking people whether mm. it would work. And, like, one of the tests was we found it quite easy to raise the money we needed to start the business. Right. So people were willing to give us money. I remember I got, like, funding through uh, a few international students yeah. that I knew from Monash, and I just... And, and I, we went for we went for fur in uh, Victoria Street, and over fur I said, "Hey man, like you know, here's a proposal. We want to start a sneaker cleaning brand." Um, I remember I had like five slides on a PowerPoint presentation, and one of the <laughs> slides was like, you know, "Welcome to the sneaker laundry," and then the last slide so was four slides. No, the last slide was "Thank you." So three. <laughs> uh, right. And gotta and keep the pictures sharp and succinct. <laughs> mate, over 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 fur, we got like you know they they wanted to they wanted like fifty percent of the business. Wow. Yeah, that's and, crazy. Yeah, so obviously we cut that back, and um, you know, I think one one of them's still with us today. Yeah. Um, the other two have managed to sell their shares for more. So um very 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 lucky um and that sort of gave me the confidence that that it wasn't just me that believed in it Mm. um yeah but the customers they were like oh i guess if i really would pay for this it would be like 20 dollars or 15 dollars to clean my shoes or something like that and it was really worrying even after we launched the brand um a month or two after the hype died down we had days where we did zero dollars in the store Mm -hmm. Like zero dollars is super concerning. In in the eyes of a cafe, that's basically you opening a cafe and not selling a single coffee for a day. That you know, you sit around going, Fuck, how do we pay rent? How do we pay wages? How do we pay whatever? Like that's yeah. you know, like that's where some days were. And then to to go from that to where we are now, um, and where we were last year, even like raising money and having that many people believe in us, like it's it's yeah, it's phenomenal. Those moments though where you weren't making any sales, were you because you, you have a co-founder, right? Were yeah. you were you guys having conversations like, fuck, should we keep going? Like, were you 
gen like what what was going through your mind then so i had a different uh so i had a co i had a co-founder his name was how and uh we we started it we were we i mean i still am and at, at that point we were just like it's do or die we had 110k in the bank account when we started um and through some silly mistakes and just being young entrepreneurs we we ran that account down to $500 wow. on the day that we opened our doors, mm. right? And Holy shit. We yeah. just looked at each other and went, this is fucking, this is do or die. Mm. Like, you know, like if you, like every purchase that you considered, whether it was $10 a month Spotify or whatever it was, it was just do or die, mm. right? If you could, if you saw something for four, it could get for $2, you get the thing for $2. You ain't paying the $10 shipping. You, you're going to drive to fucking get, get the fucking thing, you know, like, <laughs> and, and that was, that was really where the business was at. It was, you, you know, being backed in the corner, you just had no choice. You know, you, you bargained like your life depended on it. You, you scrounged like your life depended on it. And even when we scrubbed the shoes as well, we scrubbed shoes like our time depended on it. Because every second we, we, were, we were slower on scrubbing shoes, we were just, there was things that we weren't doing. Marketing or any other thing, bookkeeping even, like whatever it is that you weren't doing, you know. So it was, it was, it was hella stressful, man. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Did that happen with you as well? Well, I would say first two months were pretty tough for us as well because as I said, $20 sucks. <laughs> no one was really interested to be honest. Okay. And, you know, me and Rex, we had numerous conversations of what should we do? Like, is $20 really too, too much? Should we just sell cotton socks? And wait, you started on, because your business is, is it purely e-commerce? Yes, yes. We started okay. just e-commerce and we just put it online and run some Facebook ads. And, and that's a bit difficult because it's not like there's a physical way for customers to actually try on your sock. Yeah, and, exactly. And understand, okay, this is why it's at this price. Yeah, exactly. Right? And we've been trying to educate them. Like, yeah. oh, it's merino wool, it you know, doesn't smell, blah, blah, blah. And, but, you know, customers just want to feel it. And I guess the first two months were really tough. Um, we were just burning a lot of money on Facebook and no one was that so interested in buying. And what me and Rex decided to do is just drive around the block and send people free socks and free... And we, some we put in postcards, some we put in free socks mm. and we A-B test different discount codes on, in the postcards. Mm. And we pretty much put a postcard in every household in Brighton, I think, and around Turok. And, you know, because we thought they will probably be the people <laughs> likely to buy a $20 pair of socks. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, sales orders started to come in and people started to spread the, the word of mouth. People started giving us positive reviews. And we give, uh, we were giving heavy discounts to our friends, just like asking them to try it and then, you know, put up a good word for us. And once the word of mouth and the reviews started to roll up, I guess people were a bit more confident in, in spending that money on the pair of socks. Word of mouth is like one of the most powerful forms of marketing, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, as you were saying earlier, like everyone who tried pair can't go back. Yeah. And that's what we really believed in. We had such a huge belief in our products that once you try our socks, you wouldn't want to try. You wouldn't want to go back it's to the old seams, old man. I'm telling you, it's <laughs> the, the seams. seams dude. Right. Yeah. T talk, wait, okay, the seams. Okay. Actually, I think I know what you mean now. Yeah. So, right. you know, like... It'll, so, it'll hit you later. <laughs> so regular... I can go... It does feel hella comfortable. Uh, not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> not sponsored at all, but hella... Like, I was wearing Bonds before. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's very, very comfy. Yeah, so most products, most socks, they will have a seam here on the toes. Yeah. Uh, on the inside. You can feel like a okay. little, little, oh, little spread. Yeah. And 
the reason why most people do it is because it's very cheap to do. It's just machine. Okay. It's just one sew up in the machine and yeah. it's done. When we do seamless toe, you can still see there's something here, right? But when we seam it together, there's nothing inside and you can't right. feel it. And the way to do it, it has to be hand-sewn. Okay. So every sock of pair has been hand-sewn. And that's what makes it so unique. Mm. And, you know, there's a human touch to it. And it's the blood, that, sweat, and tears of is. every one of Nathan's Literally. relatives. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's how much effort we spend in that one simple product. And we'll look into every detail of it. On the heels, on the arch, on the toes. We will just want every aspect of it to be comfortable. Mm. A very common thread between them is that... They literally really care for your feet, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and did you start off as purely a store or was it product first, then store? Like, how did that come about? Man, I was super stubborn. I was like, I learned this thing in university called, um, I know I said university, uni, um, called cannibalism, right? I thought it was a real smart kid. I was like, man, don't, don't roll out products, right? They're going to cannibalize our services and whatever. <laughs> um, and my business partner, threw, like, we, we just kept this back and forth. And he, at the time, he just threw around a gauntlet. If you're not going to do products, I don't want to do this business with you. Yeah. And I said, all right, fuck it. All right, let's do products. Um, and, and yeah, like you, you see where it is now. Like, you know, it could never have survived just as a service mm. business. It just couldn't, right? Like, like and, and the market is just such a big, big, big world to think mm. that just out of one store, you're going to cannibalize your own sales. Nah. Like, and, and so we did start having products, but we didn't really start doing e-commerce till maybe about a year in. Okay. And even then, like we had the website up, you might make, we might've made like one sale a week to begin with, two sales a week. And then after a while, yeah, fuck, we started really selling these things. And we're like, wow, people actually want to buy these things. And in our head, we were like, is it really worth it though? You sell a kit for 20 something dollars when you can get $50 from a clean or whatever. Like, you know, we're like, Ugh. you know, the reality is there's always going to be two types of people. One that will call the plumber to come in and, and, and fix it or one that will go to Bunny's find out what they need, buy mm -hmm. it, do it themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's true. Why not get them both? Two different types of customers. So I'm actually interested in how did you formulate these products? Because Nathan, you and your founder actually, you know, did a lot of R&D. You, you said you spent a year. How did you guys do that with your products? <laughs> it, was a, it was a little bit cheeky, but um, I'm sure someone will do this to me as well. But basically you start with like a baseline product. So I'll give you an right. example, like um, let's say tomorrow you want to do like Tiana's sunscreen, right? Mm. And you go, how, where would you start? Yeah. Right. Very simple. You, you go out and you buy three of your top favorite sunscreens. Mm -hmm. Right. And you send it to a factory, a lab. Normally factories will have a lab with them or a yeah. lab that they work with. You send it to, to that lab and you tell them, I want to make Tiana sunscreen. And they'll ask you, okay. And the real, the real way you do it is you ask yourself, what pain points can you solve? Right. Right. And you might find that consistently, even though the top three sunscreens that you like, people are finding that it's too thick, sticks to your skin it's too heavy, you know, or it maybe just doesn't really protect too much from the sun, even though it says you, you know, SPF 50, right? And then you might solve that by going, can I make it SPF 100 and still be light, and light on my skin? Mm. Or, you know, aerosols are bad. Can I do a spray bottle version or whatever? All these sorts of things, you know, and, and it, it, it is for you to solve these pain points that these other companies might be slow to solve or can't solve. <clears throat> and from that, the labs will analyze, you know, even every down to the scent, um, and then improve the formulation for you. So you have Tiana sunscreen. So we did something similar to that. So we took a bit of like, we was one other competitor out in the market that we really, that was really doing it quite well when we started. We took that and we asked us how we could make it better. 
Um, we realized their solution wasn't foaming that much. It wasn't doing a lot of things. And we also realized like, hey, um, over time we were like, we get this on our skin a lot. We probably want it to be quite friendly <laughs> on our skin. Yeah. Um, so then it became organic. It was scent we didn't like. We changed it. We wanted it to be more concentrated so it could fit more in a bottle. We could deliver more bang for buck. We started like working on all these things. And I think our formulation has been tweaked like three times already. Wow. So a lot of people ask me like, do we protect the formulation on our, on, on our thing? And I say no, because... Even if our competitor tries to reverse engineer it and make the exact same one, maybe by next year I'll have a new one. So they're always going to be one step behind until I've like absolutely just stumbled upon something that's like, this is as good as it can get. Yeah. Then I'll spend, you know, 50 Gs to protect that. Yeah, for right. sure. But until then, it's like, like we're on this constant path of being better and being Innovative, better. Yeah. Mm. And everyone else that has come to market is trying to copy us. Mm. But they're, they're, they're always going to be years behind. I've mm. been in this six years. You know, so anyone coming to the game going, I'm going to start cleaning shoes. That's all good, man. Like, start. Yeah. You know? And they often buy our stuff to start as well. They'll, like, come to me like, hey, man, can I get a wholesale account? Like, want to buy your stuff and start cleaning shoes? I'm like, man, be my guest, please. Like, we, we you know, have to build the industry together. But, yeah, like, I think I think it's uh, product development has been something really, really fun that I've been doing. I'm going to China, like, in, in a couple of weeks to, 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 to work on, our, our, like, a new range of products as well. So, it's, like, super exciting. That's actually, like, yeah, I find that, I just find that the whole process so fascinating because, you hear about big corporations and they've got an actual department like mm. dedicated to like R&D because that's the nature of any type of market that you'll have competition. You just need to keep innovating. There's no way that you can have this exact same formula mm. the entire time because there's all product the entire time. There's yep. always going to be something because I think that's very, it stifles creativity if you just think that you're just going to continue doing one, the same shit over and over again. So yeah, that's really, really cool. I think someone yeah. once told us like, you there's three ways you can make it right like three ways you can succeed and the first one is um you can be the best you can be first um you can be the best and the third one is you can cheat right and we don't cheat so you can be the first or the best being the best is hard so you can be first (laughs) right (laughs) now we were the first sneaker laundry for like years um but the first dust can only carry you for a few years um after a while very quickly you'll find that as more and more people enter the market there is a need for you to be the best. Um, so we've really used this head start and you really need to work, keep asking how you can be the best and keep being the best. Yeah. That's where, yeah, like you have to be like the R&D department. You have to be, as, as a founder, you have to be like every department all at once. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Did that ever, does that ever scare you guys? Like, okay, I know, and I think I already know your answer when the moment <laughs> I asked the question, but the, like, but, okay, you're the first to market, right? Um, you've you've had it kind of cushy for a bit. You're like, okay, cool. Like we are. Oh, fuck, it was not cushy. I don't know how much it was. It was not cushy, man. Okay. No, I'm not invalidating their journey. They've been through a lot of shit. Um, there's ups and downs, but you know, um, like I guess the, it, it wasn't a huge thing on your mind. This idea of competition because you're already like the first, right? But did that ever? Did it scare you when you start when you start seeing competitors come through or ha- what? mindset do you think you need to have i think i'm i'm trying to think more so for people that want to start businesses and i guess you know they're quite and everyone kind of starts somewhere right you maybe you have limited resources or whatnot how do you change that mindset so you don't have constant fear but rather you use it as motivation um pair is a little different to sneaker laundry in terms of competition Mm. uh we're pretty confident to say even till today like we've been launched for three years no one copied us Mm. simply because they can't (laughs) 
Um, Anthony, you wanna you wanna you wanna get on this? You wanna get on the sock train, my friend? Yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no no one has copied us. So our competitors are the same since day one. It's just the big game, like the big game players, like you know the ones that you were wearing bonds. Um, <laughs> with, with the name that like, cannot be mentioned. <laughs> nah. Like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> nah, like you know, it's just the 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 big players there, like mm. Bonds, Uniqlo, um, just Booty. These are just the same competitors since day one. So socks is we we will never be the first pair of socks in the world, right? So there's already heaps like there's Nike, Adidas, like yeah. whatever, and we are still trying to kind of educate their customers that you right. deserve better. Okay. <laughs> 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 Even till now, so it's been oh, three years. Bonds, you deserve better, honey. <laughs> like bonds users, Tiana, look at the seams. <laughs> Nike users, he you was, deserve better. Well, Nathan kind of did that to me, actually. You both came in. I think you must have seen my socks. Like he's like, guys, I'm gonna go to my cart. And I've got some socks to you, and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize uh, there was anything wrong with my bond socks. The, the shaming is coming back <laughs> full circle, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You know, the, the traits that you guys have as entrepreneurs or founders, it starts from your childhood. It doesn't start from... Hey, I had, a, I had a mad idea for like the other day. I was talking to my marketing dude, right? And he's like, well, what's this campaign you have? I said, mate, I'm going to I'm gonna copy. You know, just TAC billboard campaigns on the road. Like, you know, only a little bit over, you bloody idiot. Yeah. I was just going to literally, same font, same thing, black and white, because that's our brand. And just like, dirty shoes, you bloody idiot, right? And just, like, and just like write off that shit and put it on all the highways, right? So people think it's a TSC ad and they like, people always read the TSC ads because they're kind of funny. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like and it's just like, just do that over and over <laughs> and over again. You know, like, like and just see how much, yeah, and just see how many like catchy catchphrases we can come up and just lob in all the, like the airport freeways and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but one thing I learned in my, I think, I guess in terms of competition, one thing I learned in my previous experience is how important defensibility is in a business. Mm. So I guess the term defensibility really stuck with me with whatever business I'm about to start. And that's why we spend so much effort before we even launch a pair because we want something that people can't crack. Right. Um, I've seen so many businesses out there. They were, you know, they were the, they were the first, they went big and obviously they lost like their, their trade. They just got used to being comfortable being the first and they stopped innovating and they lost the, the defensibility once they stopped innovating. And, you know, if I feel like, I feel like you're talking about high smile. Oh, who's that? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. I was talking about... It's like the teeth whitening people. What? Yeah, they had like, you know, they're massive. They're like one of the biggest spenders in Facebook ads. And they Are they like, still not as massive? Um, so it took... I, I feel like in the last year, they took like a, a massive break, right? Because they were selling the same things and it used to come off like, uh, like you know, you could get like just rip-offs of it everywhere, right? Because they didn't protect it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a teeth whitening thing. It was like viral oh. on the internet where you put a thing around the thing, slap it on the... Mm. Slap, slap like a mouth guard type thing on and turn it on for 10 minutes. Apparently it makes your teeth white. Um, amazing like amazing people behind it just the product was not defendable and then everyone else came to market yeah yeah but this year they rolled out like they went they went ham on like the last year or two yeah so they canned it all they canned all that simple shit everyone was copying and they came up with their own bunch of like whole whole bunch of line a new product line that that was a lot more defendable so like 100% like 
you're craving a sweet treat or refreshing dessert, our longtime friends at Scoopy, Melbourne's favourite bingsu joint, are offering you lovely listeners a delicious 15% off your order when you use the code UA15. You can use this when you buy takeaway or in person at their Melbourne CBD and Gwen Waverley stores. The offer is subject to change, so be sure to tune into our episodes weekly for the fresh deal. Thanks so much, Scoopy. We appreciate y'all. You know, my point is, as a business, if you're only competing on price and you're just producing this very generic product, it can only give, get you so far. Yeah. Well, it's effectively a race to the bottom. Hmm? It's effectively a race to the bottom. Yes. And yeah. you will just burn out. Burn, yeah, literally, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, try to innovate. Um, try to have your own defensibility yeah. rather than just competing on cheap prices. It's quite funny, right? Because, like, you, the way we saw it as well, it was like, you know, it's called barrier entry. It's mm. like the way it's like you're you're playing Mario Kart and you know how you're like, you're like throwing shit out the back of your cart like banana peels and shit yeah. trying to like slip people up like that's really what it is right you're like every time you throw a banana peel out it's it's like okay I innovated you know a, a new you know blend of fabric right that I patented good luck because then these motherfuckers will have to like yeah. try and go around it find something else find yeah. another way to get it get a ch- solve the problem that you spent two years solving mm. while they're doing that you're already on the next thing and the mm. next thing so you're just lobbing all these banana peels at the back of your little Mario Kart. Yeah. And, and, and the idea is that while obviously you don't do this with mal- malice trying to like just to fuck people over, but it is really about protecting yourself. Right. Right. And as you keep doing this, it makes it harder and harder for people to come in. So we invented, we started with like three products and now we have like 25, 30 products. It's sneaker cleaning. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and so now every, every person that thinks about coming in to compete with us, it's like, oh, I mean, I could compete, but then... I would not just need 25 products. I'd have to go to 30, 35 products right. just to beat them. And like, you know, and while you're doing that, I'm, I'm already on product number 35 where you think about product, product number one. So like there's this like, there's this like re- the realization of a lot of people wanting to enter this that or enter any industry that's like this competition, it, what barriers has the existing competitors already set up for you? And what do you have, what do you have to navigate just to get there? Yeah, I want to just add on something and just make a disclaimer of what I just said as well. Um, being really <laughs> cheap could also be your defensibility if you have a really strong and solid supply chain. Yeah, 100%. But how hard is that? Like, you know, there's Sheen, there's Timu selling things at $3, but they have an insane supply chain. Man, they build a whole five pairs of socks for like $2, bro. On yeah, and, you know, there's cost of sustainable, you know, cost on the earth, but, you know, that's a different story. But in terms of defensibility, price could be their, you know, strongest point that people can't really steal but if you can't be cheaper than sheen just don't bother hmm. competing on price <laughs> yeah there's no like there's literally no way you can be cheaper than sheen and timu yes mm. yeah i am very i'm just like i'm learning a lot I'm absorbing. <laughs> <laughs> is this a business podcast <laughs> yeah I, well i, I went think from I, asian to business real quick eh? like yeah <laughs> no we're covering it all on the unapologetically asian podcast let me tell you um so both of you guys sound very resilient because the it's just like i don't think there will ever be a business that's smooth sailing i think a lot of the podcasts i've listened to are like where they've interviewed entrepreneurs there's always failure always Mm. like no matter what there's always failure you're always and it it doesn't have to manifest in you know um losing money or or whatnot it could be it could be anything um big or small there's always an obstacle there what have been your biggest failures um and how did you overcome it or what lessons did you learn from it anything that sticks out (laughs) 
Don't look at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, I never fail. Yeah, you do. <laughs> 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 I need time. I need time to think about this one. Don't joke, you do. I need time to think about this one. Asians don't fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you disappoint yourself? <laughs> actually, I just always fail. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> um, no, because Eugene actually said to me, I'm always winning. He said he wins every day. That's a direct <laughs> quote. When he said that, I was like... Oh. What a stitch up. <laughs> Classic Eugene. When Eugene said that, I was kind of like... Oh. <laughs> Wrong Eugene. It's for Eugene's out there. It's not me. <laughs> Might be the other Eugene from Melbourne High. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Um, I guess with my previous startups, I started with Rex as well. Um, we did apparels, we did something art related. And it's not that we actually lost money, it's just we didn't make money. So in short, there was no traction. Okay. So you know, we started these businesses for like 6 to 24 months and we didn't see much traction. You know, And I guess we just learned a lot throughout these processes. We learned about is there a product to market fit? Mm. what's the right way to market products what is the defensibility um i guess product market fit was the biggest lesson i learned like sometimes you're just selling products that no one wants give me give me some of the what, what were some of the businesses okay so one of the businesses we launched this art project where we will interview really interesting artists around melbourne mm. and we will sign up like a little contract exclusive deal with them and sell their merch mm-hmm. and we sold like t-shirts phone cases bags and stuff with their artwork on top it's like a it's like an ngv design store Mm. but we realized that no one really wants the merch or no one's that really that interested in in buying merch of artists that are not really established i guess so you know that's one of the lessons we learned like is their product market fit i guess you just have to keep testing yeah Mm. I have a I have a different uh, perception to to like a failure, mm. right? Like, uh, I think two things like shape the way I look at failures. Um, obviously, like one, you know, you, growing up, I told you like you come back with ninety eight. Where did two marks go? So you know, growing up, it was always like everything was a failure if it yeah. wasn't hundred. Um, but one one time I heard this story, and it's just like the story's like sat for me for a lot of like a big variety of reasons. It's the story of the Chinese farmer. And the story of the Chinese farmer goes like, one day there was a Chinese farmer, and you can use it to annoy people if you want, like, but it's actually a really insightful story. There was one day there was a Chinese farmer and, um, you know, his horse ran away. So everyone in the village came over and said, that's such bad news, you know. Um, he said, maybe. And next day the horse comes back with two new horses and everyone in the village comes back and says, that's such good news. And he says, maybe. Day after, his son takes one of the new horses out for a ride, breaks his leg. And everyone in the village comes over and says, oh, it's such bad news, you know. He goes, maybe. The army comes over the next day and says, we're taking every able-bodied guy to go fight in a war. Dude's got a broken leg, can't fight in a war. So he goes, everyone comes to the village, oh, it's such good news, maybe. And if you really want to annoy someone, this story goes on forever. You're just like, give me new shit that happens every day. Just just make sure alternate bad news, good news and whatever, right? And And the funny thing is that you never know where a mistake or bad news will lead you could really lead you to to stumbling upon something just really really awesome you know um and you just have to just keep pushing on and if you actually view it as not a mistake or a failure but just Mm. like a lesson you learn like you did at university or anything else then you're not actually yeah none of it's actually that bad you Mm. don't actually cop the hits like you probably should 
Um, and there was this one family I met um, that had two kids and every day dinner, the, they would ask their kids, like, tell me a mistake you made today. And they would celebrate it. Like, oh, oh my God, do you know what I did today? Oh, I, you know, accidentally did this or whatever. It was just like, and they're like, thank you. Thank you for showing me your mistake. And, and they like celebrated you make a mistake. Can you, you imagine? Actually, like, you met a family like that? Yeah. Huh. And imagine they, if you like, <laughs> no, no, God, no. Like, come on, come on, Tiana. Like, you should, come on. Like, come on. Like, progressive Asians. This is like next level, man. This yeah. is like, you know, and I was like, wow, can you imagine if you grew up in a world and a family that celebrated you making mistakes? Mm. Yeah. That every time you made a mistake, you were like, yeah. I can't wait to go home and share this with my family. Yeah. Mm. Because it's like, what did you learn? And you're like, well, I learned to always count my change after I give the lunch lady my money. Yeah. Right? Like, and like well done. Like, have you ever, you ever thought yeah. about it? Rather than like going home and be like, oh, where'd your money go? Oh, lunch lady scammed me or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm. lunch lady took my money and give me change or something. You know, like, oh, fuck, shame on you. Positive you reinforcement. <laughs> it's just wonderful. It's just, yeah. it's just like, it's just reshaping the way your mind works. Mm. And then all of a sudden you cop less beatings. Yeah. The reality is like, you know, we've got multiple businesses running. We've all failed businesses before, right? Mm. What are you supposed to do after a business fails? Right? It, a business is just like any, any living organism. It's its own entity. Um, one misstep, a car accident, anything like that. And that business could go under. Like you're supposed to just hide in shame for the rest of your life. Or just realize that like, you know, these things do happen and try to find out why it happened and do it better next time and do it better next time. It's just not part of the way life is. You know what I mean? Like it is hard. Like don't get me wrong. Like you are going to feel it. You're going to fucking cop the brunt of it. During COVID, like the, the fear of your business shutting, businesses shutting yeah. is what keeps you up at night entirely. Like you're going to find every other way to sleep. But like, but yeah, if you can reshape it. So it's like just, it's not a failure. It's not a mistake. Just, just a lesson waiting to be learned right or like something awesome for you to, to improve on like it changes i agree with eugene like it was a bit hard to think of a failure when you asked the question because i think it's really hard to define what is a failure mm. and also really hard to define what is success yeah. on the other side of the spectrum it's like the, all these words are very relative to each other and when you define failure that also means that you admit that you wasted your time mm. on, yeah. on something <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's not true like most of the time it's not really true like you you would always learn something out, or you would always get something out of See, I, t- I told you i win all the time a so-called failure so it's actually true <laughs> that <laughs> is it? it's actually true that asians okay, don't fail and we're always actually, winning like, when you did said that i literally had a physical like aversion like an ick like I was just like I can't an believe ick. Yeah. I was like I can't believe Eugene said that because uh. like, I was like Eugene who's really winning Eugene's like well of course I win every day and I'm like oh god <laughs> it's, it's actually true because but the same with success if you define what is success but does that limit you you always hear it, and it sounds very corny and cliche, but every rejection is a redirection, like with whatever, whatever it is, right? It could be, it could be you get rejected from a job application. It's just a redirection because maybe that job wasn't meant for you. Um, if you make a business mistake, maybe you're not meant to be expanding in that particular category or that particular market or that particular country. It's not, re- it's not ready for you yet. Um, it could be you get rejected by a person, you know? Um, maybe you're actually just not meant to be for that person. So there's always, yeah. 
you're slaying i see you're huh? absolutely slaying the boys you're just like every rejection is a redirection <laughs> oh shit try again that's, man that's how fuck girls and fuck boys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> message someone i've been redirected to you like, you're like <laughs> That's how you slide in. <laughs> See, we're, we're, more, we're more than um, talking about business advice, about our Asian childhood. It's all about da- dating advice with the boys too. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry, Nathan. I no. didn't mean to. No, no, no. Great, great, great lesson. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, yeah. I think you guys already explained it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's good to have to build that resiliency. But I think um, seeing how you guys do that is quite inspiring because I think um yeah there's a lot of people that I've spoken to that we you always think okay yes I I don't want to work like I have so many friends that they don't want to work the nine-to-five grind for the rest of their life no way even for myself no way but it's just thinking about what is that idea what is that something that I can really put my passion and blood sweat and tears into or towards because life is short right like you don't want to spend it working for somebody else for the rest of your life yeah give up the nine-to-five come to the nine-to-nine <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's one thing that a lot Four of people... hours extra. Oh, I think a lot <laughs> of people minimum. underestimate startups. Yeah. Like, a lot of people think, oh, I'll start my own business and I'll, I can quit my job. Freedom, right? Oh, Financial no, it doesn't freedom. work like... It doesn't yeah. work like no, that. You just get a worse... You get an even worse job. Mm. Like, you have to work 24-7 now. Yeah. It's, Literally. It's yeah. it's harder. It's a lot, lot harder. For sure. It's like 100 sure. times harder than going to a 9-to-5 job. And a lot of people underestimate it and that's why they're still stuck in their own job because they're not willing to give that effort into working so hard on another thing. They wouldn't, if you can work nine to five, you can also work five to nine at night and just start your own business. Why not? If you can't do it, you're, you know, you shouldn't start a business. It's, it's that simple. It's brutal, man. Like, like I think um, like next week is the one week all year where I'll have no reception and that freaks me out. Like, because- Why might you have reception? Uh, I'm just on a boat in the middle of nowhere. Like, right, and it doesn't, and I know this one year, it, 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 I make, make it a point to have, not have reception one week a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so you're doing this on purpose? Intentionally, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's almost self-harming, but like, basically <laughs> like, you, you, you have no reception for, for one week a year. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it kind of freaks me out because like, you have to be available. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Right, like, because people around you are working at such high speeds and high levels like you have to be available for them all the time mm. like literally on call for them right and and that's where it's like you're literally like your own fireman you're triple zero for your own business mm. and it's triple zero shuts down for a week i mean just pray nothing happens right while you're gone like that's it i mean there's always systems and procedures but man like every day is something new like yeah you just have to be so it's not just like a nine to five man i switch off you email me auto respond like man i've in my head in this in my head, if all shits go south and I take a job, done. Five oh one PM you, you email me, order respond, brother. Hmm. I'm currently out of office. <laughs> I'll get back to you tomorrow at nine AM. Wait, so how do you guys actually like okay? <laughs> there is no order respond. You can't flick an order respond. But how do you guys like do you actually in like okay, of of course you enjoy that grind, right? That mm, hustle. Okay. Yeah. I think that's just how entrepreneurs are built. Like side hustle, main hustle, whatever. You just enjoy that lifestyle. But do you ever have a moment where you need time for yourself? And if and if you do, right, what is that? How do you find enjoyment? What What is that one thing that you do? <laughs> Ooh, it's, <laughs> tell me. it's very rare, like, to be honest. I mean, I came out of a military school. <laughs> I can work 100 hours a week without stopping. Like, just just built for it. And 
you know, as as you as you said, we really love what we're doing, and that's why that's what keeps us going, and it's really fun. But of course, you get tired sometimes because of working. Let's say. Yeah. How do you deal with the burnout? Um, for me, I always get injured after physically? I burn out physically. Oh. So, because I have regular workouts,、mm. I border a lot, as Eugene knows. I border three to five times a week,、mm. and whenever I'm burnt out, I will get a really, really bad injury、right. <laughs> in bordering. That means that that that's like a your body caving. It's, a sign. it's, it's a like sign. a sign. My body's telling me like <laughs> I、right, can't cope. So I <laughs> like it's like I completely torn a ligament.、Mm. I had some really bad、um, just muscle injuries as well,、wow. and so it happens probably once to twice a year,、yeah. <laughs> which I'm learning to you know not letting it happen now. But you know it's the learning curve.、Mm. I've had my body just like shut down on me like before. Um, like literally felt like the onset of flu,、yeah. and I would go home and felt weird. Like it wasn't the flu, like wasn't coughing, wasn't whatever. Like and just running a fever, no appetite to eat. And I would, I've, I've slept like I think forty eight hours. One point, like you know, like in bed for forty eight hours, come out literally, put my mouth under a tap, get some more water, and just、yeah. went back in. And at some point, mum was like, "Yo, like you, like do I need to send you to hospital?" I was like. I just couldn't add two and two. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've never had this before, and that was like probably the worst case of like burnout, like physical actual burnout I've、mm. had.、Um, I've gotten a lot better. Like it's just a lot of self awareness of knowing like when what your limitations are.、But、don't set limitations yourself. Obviously, like to give you an example, like the day before I was in Sydney from you know six a.m. to to you know seven eight p.m. or whatever.、Um, you know, then we went out just for the new sneaker laundry store opening, and the next day six a.m. I was at seven a.m. I was out to Adelaide because. Events that we're running there, and then、um, the very next day, we we're back here, seven a.m.、Uh, flight to Melbourne to do a podcast right now, and then I'm off to Queensland tomorrow morning as well. So it's like it it never stops,、yeah. right? And the and the and the whack thing as a business owner is that the to do list is infinite. I keep getting asked these questions, you know, by、mm. you know anyone close to me is like, oh, so you're almost done for today? I'm like, what's done for today mean? Like, I could work infinitely,、mm. and there'll be infinite amount of things to do. And never ever ever stop.、Mm. Like I'm never ever done for the、yeah. day, right? Like it's just like, have I done enough? Where there isn't going to be anything nagging me while I try to sleep. Like I can never take a nap ever. It doesn't exist because there would just be so many things nagging at me. And even when I sleep, it's just things that nag at me. So it's about clearing off enough work for me so that I like enough pressing items that I could sleep. Yeah, it's 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 horrible.、But、and you know what? My 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 my. You said you have time for yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my best idea of time for myself is knocking off my to do list, <laughs> which is unfortunately more work because if I don't, and that grows. Well, there is、oh. there is science behind that. It's like the serotonin hit that you get from ticking things ticking off. Ticking things thing. off. Yeah. yeah. Well, come tick、uh, my shit off then. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> no, I I always like if I have a lazy day, I, I still have to be productive. Like I still have to have a to do list. My notion is still there. I still have to tick shit off. Like even if it's something like small, I still have to like. Yeah, there is there is a science behind that though. But yeah, that's how hard Asians work. <laughs> yeah, we don't stop. Bringing it back to that, we just, just don't stop. You really, it, it's like the second you stop, you just feel like. No, but okay. I just want to. I just want to know, like, outside of your hustle, of your like doing shit, what do you, what? Come on, as he, like, yeah. What, so you 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 got bouldering. I have okay. Hobbies, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I have a life. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Well, thank you. I also, I also, I also have a life. Thank you very much. <laughs> I um. Well, I, I mean, I, the thing for me is that I, I, I like、uh, hobbies, but I, 
I like the initial stage of learning about something. So like, for example, he knows I picked up bouldering and I, right. I will like invest a lot of, like not a lot of time, like any spare hour that I have into like just like learning how to be better at this. And that initial stage where you're learning a lot is super intriguing for me. Like super duper intriguing. Like I'm just like, yes, how can I learn more? How can I learn more? And then after a while, it's all about like refining a little bit. So I've just, I'll see you later. On to the next sport. Like fishing for me, I fished for like over a decade. Yeah. It was always about like catching bigger fish in better places and cooler places. So I've traveled the world fishing. Um, and then it's kind of like Pokemon. We've caught most of it. You're just like, oh, cool, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I caught it most fish, almost every fish there is to catch here. When I went snowboarding since I was young, I've snowboarded pretty much every mountain um, in Victoria as well. Every run there is and everything there is. So then once you sort of get there, you're just like, well, I'm not going to turn pro. So like, you know. So you get bored easily. Yeah, if I don't learn, I get bored. Right. So like, you know, like when, when I'm not learning enough and taking enough things, I get bored. So like, it's always about like, you know, if I go snowboarding, there's someone that's super good just pushing me. Oh, I'll, I'll have a lot of fun. But if I'm just going like riding sort of like beginner slopes and just like a couple of new friends, I just like, you know, I should be doing my to-do list. Like, and I will actually walk to my car, get my laptop and open it and sit in the cafe at the snow and just do my work. Because like, I would just be like, time, my time. Like, what am I doing my time? You know, like, yeah. And I did that just um, like a couple of couple weeks ago. Literally just like packed up the snowboard, went to the car, got my laptop. <laughs> so I'll see you guys at 4 p.m. for the drive back. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. I'm and similar. Because yeah. you guys, are, well, it's, you guys have both been conditioned. You went to military school. Like you went through <laughs> these really strict, like regimented lifestyle. So it makes sense why now it's hard for you guys to, to do anything different. That's all you've ever well, known, Well, right? Army was like, was like pretty pretty gaslighty as well like you know like it was pretty oh man it's like it was, it was like it was, i went into the army going like oh i'm gonna be the best version of myself and achieve as much in this two years as i can within like two months i was like this is the most toxic environment i've ever been in and it's just like punishments and toxic behavior passed down from one person like you said before like you got the bully will continue to bully and it's just this thing that gets passed on um they would do these sick things like wake you up literally in the middle of the night and just like ring like just just get you out of your dorms go down four floors by stairs and and do jumping jacks and do whatever go upstairs pack your backpacks as if you were gonna leave right whatever and they was like yeah cool we're gonna do this because um we're training you for when a war comes mate your your country's like 30 kilometers wide yeah like if you guys watch Oppenheimer, like, <laughs> like, what the fuck is, what the fuck are your rifles going to do, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and like, why am I doing these fucking jumping jacks, bro? Like, I don't even want to, like, you know, and it's like in, in the middle of the night, you're like, why am I doing this jumping jacks? And like, why is it that if this guy has one less t-shirt in his backpack, we all got to repack our bags? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like and dude, they're like, yeah. they do this shit, man. They're like, oh wow. yeah, well, he's fails his running test. So you all stay back this weekend. How am I gonna make him run faster, bro? Like, yeah. you know, look at the size of him. You know, like, it's like all this shit. I like, think that's like, how bullying works. Yeah, well. it's just punishing people for no reason. You shame him, like, dude. He's not jumping. Like, they'd have this test where you have to jump, like, standing broad jump, and like, he's not jumping the 160 cm. So you all have to stay back this weekend. Oh. It's not my fault. His parents didn't teach him how to jump. Like, fuck, dude. You know what I mean? Like, like, and then it was just brutal. like, it's brutal. And then this poor yeah. guy, this poor guy, is having 16 people in his room, like, all wanting to go home for the weekend. Right, they're 24 hours of freedom and everyone just hates him because mm. poor man can't jump. <laughs> you know? Like, like was it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> slipped his mind learning how to jump 160 or whatever the minimum thing was. And I'm trying to think, I'm trying to apply how that is going to actually help you in a, an actual like a war or something, like jumping. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, How? I don't think it can help. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the way speed, I, was I get it. it. Yeah. Oh, jumping, oh, dodging. Like, like Australia, right? If someone's yeah. coming for us, you'll know from a mile away. Like you've got that much of ocean, right? So mm. what's <laughs> coming for you? You'll know. Singapore, mate. Like Malaysia's <laughs> like across the border. Like everyone's right. across the border. Yeah, like, yeah. like, like you have like a, a one two minute notice before a missile hits you, and drop drop it anywhere on Singapore, and some real damage is gonna be done. Like drop it here, mate. You might hit Ballarat. You might hit <laughs> Geelong. You might hit nothing. You yeah. might hit Point Cook or something. You know, might even uh-huh. nothing. You know, like, and, and Singapore, every building is like 30, 40 stories now, you know, like. Wait, does this military stuff still happen to this day? Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, you're still doing your two years. Like, and it's like, and like, here we are talking about how three years of uni could be like a waste of your time, whatever. You're doing two years of the army and they were paying like, I don't know what, if it's gone up now, but about like four or 500 bucks a month. Wow. Yeah, real poverty, real below the poverty line sort of shit. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, it sounds like you guys have no lives. So that's what we've got. That's pretty much story. it, yeah. Actually, also side note, you guys are very good at... Delivering quotes, I think. Do you have a bank up here where you're like, going on a no, podcast, what kind no. of quotes or books have I read lately? Just just read. Every yeah. s- <laughs> we, we read, the, cheat, we no, read the same book, How to Look Smart. Is, yeah. that, is that what yeah. it's called? It's a thing. Okay. Yeah. No, because even the last podcast, Eugene would be like, somebody once told me, well, look, you know, I read this book actually one time. He's just written all these quotes. I'm like, okay. I like to read books also halfway. I think they put all the, like, so I read a lot of books, but yeah. only halfway. So yeah. I like, put all the good shit in the first half. And Commitment the other issues. Half, yeah, the I, other half yeah. of the book is just about like, you know, making it look thicker. So mm. I just kind of read the first half of the book. And yeah. it's just, like, sweet. Do you read the last page as well? No. Like, no. Just the first oh. half. First half's good. They got the point. I get it. I get your point. That's great. <laughs> Move on. You know, like, yeah. First half of the book's good. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, we could talk for ages. It's one forty-six. Okay. Jesus. Let's, <laughs> let's go to the Stinky Foot segment. Um. But thank you so much for sharing, like, your entrepreneurial journeys. I think we've really just dipped our toes in. See what I did there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Speaking of feet, though, uh, let's talk about stinky feet. Stinky feet's an issue. It really is. You know, um, I think the maintenance of it, um, We you spoke about how your socks, um, there's a certain point where you can only wear your socks for a certain amount of time before they start smelling. Um, same with shoes. You know, y- you walk in something, it could be really smelly. Let's... Let's talk about how we can, how we can, you know. That's, that's yeah. currently literally yeah. me and Nathan's every day right now. Yeah. So like so every day, just stinky feet. Like stinky feet. Like I mean, not us personally, but like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like we, we noticed this like trend and shift, especially within sneaker laundry. Like a lot of shoes were, well, yeah, they came in needing to get clean, but customers were specifically saying like, "Can you get the stink off from right. inside the shoe?" Okay. Right. And I was like, oh, I didn't really think about it. The whole five years or six years of sneak laundry was always just clean the shoe, clean the shoe, dirt comes off the shoe, mud comes off the shoe, yeah. what's visible, right? But then you you realize, well, a lot of people, number one, aren't wearing Nathan's socks. So cheeky plug for you. The second one is that- <laughs> That's your not, first mistake. Yeah, they're not wearing the, they're not cleaning the shoes. So like yeah. literally like imagine if I gave you a task, which was to wear a shirt every day to the gym, to wherever, to work for the next, you know- um, literally a year or two and smell that like it's being rank well what do you expect your shoe is going to smell rank too like you never once cleaned it you know you often wear socks for way too long it's always dank on the inside right and sometimes it gets rained on sometimes it gets drinks spilled on it it's disgusting so like then we go well i mean we always focus on cleaning the outside if you want it the inside so that's where our PR guy came in. It was like, well, you guys are both really finding the same thing. Yeah. Right. 
and you know and we're like yeah that's true like <laughs> man we invented some of the craziest deodorizers just because like the shoes coming into the store were so bad sometimes that like whatever face mask you had on it just you know like like anything short of a hazmat suit like you would you would you would you would cop it yeah. and like so i feel for the boys in the store for sure like, have you guys what sorry a hazmat suit no no <laughs> i actually think anyway, sorry. my mind goes many different directions um when you're speaking I harry think potter huh are you on still on harry potter <laughs> no. oh, okay we moved on harry potter monsters inc <laughs> have you guys seen monsters inc <laughs> yes Yes. <laughs> you know that, that one, yeah. have you seen it? I have seen that it. That one <laughs> scene where he's got the hazmat suit on <laughs> and there's a sock and he's like, what's it? What is it? 2019 or something. Come on, you got, come on, work Dude, with me here. Work no, with me. what we do, we tell her that our, our parents didn't allow us to watch Monsters, Inc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, they can't watch, they're not yeah, allowed to watch movies. Like to, no South Park, Anyways. no Monsters, Inc. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, um, it's great film, great film. Um, yeah, anyway, that scene, um, Continue. Literally, sometimes we find shoes with socks still in them. Oh my and, god! And just, no, like no, it's not even sometimes. Like maybe once a week, once every two weeks. Like just be socks still stuffed into them, and we're just like. Uh, well, the only product that I know of that actually does is like the powder, right? The powder that goes inside the shoe. Well, think about it, right? It, it, whatever you put inside, it's just a band-aid fix. So go back right. to the example, right? Like you're wearing your top, right? You've worn it for for a year, two years now. What can you spray on it possibly in this world that is that anything short of putting it in a washing machine, a hundred degrees water, fucking trying to clean that shit out. What could you spray on it that would possibly make it better permanently? Like actually better and not just like make it smell better or a master smell or whatever, you know, antibacterial, this, that. Did you not just sweat in that for like an entire year? And are you hoping that a spray would just do the trick? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so then really anything short of literally taking insoles out and giving it a scrub inside out and disinfecting it, or whatever, anything short of that, you're just like, you're just playing yourself really you know so what is so where so what's this nickel laundry and pair doing to fight this 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 big big problem big problem that we're having sticky feet this epidemic this man like we after we clean the shoe and we give you back the shoe and it smells great and it's mm. good again like you know the real question is what are you doing from there right mm. and that's where i think nathan comes in so he's almost preventative and right. we we clean up the mess and he comes in so we don't have to do it too often again instead of working hand in hand you're working foot in foot that's it yeah pretty yeah. much and you know with socks i think cleaning your shoes regularly is definitely a really important way to prevent smelly feet because <laughs> yeah. you're in those shoes every day imagine you don't clean your shoes even if you wash your feet and you just go out on a fresh day in the morning, you, you put your feet in those stinky f- shoes, it's going to come back stinky in 10 minutes. Mm. It's horrible. So, you know, once you're over that first step, you, you clean your shoes regularly, like every week, every two weeks, whatever, depending on your condition, I guess. Yeah, how often <laughs> How often should I be cleaning my sneakers, shoes? Well, it's how often you wear them. And again, what socks you're wearing, what you're doing in them, if you're running in them and all sorts of stuff. If you live in Asia versus like here... Um, personally, like once every couple of weeks, especially it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some people definitely sweat a lot more than others. Like, so you gotta, yeah, it really is like a question of like what, what you're doing with your shoes <laughs> as well. And yeah. And socks is another thing that people often overlook. Yeah. Like I've seen people, I guess the smelliest feet I've seen or I've smelled, I guess, <laughs> were, were a pair of shoes and feet of someone who didn't wear socks. Okay. So, you know, well, that's, that's probably common sense. Like, if you don't wear socks in your sneakers, you know, you'll get the smelliest sneaker. 
Um, but then it comes down the next step, the next kind of socks they would wear will be polyester socks. So polyester is the smelliest socks that you could wear, which is most of the active socks actually out there. So most of the active socks that you can get for running or, or, or you know, whatever sport you do are made from polyester because they dry faster. Mm. But when they say they dry faster, what actually means is the sweat goes through the socks and end up in your shoes. So your shoes get dirtier and smellier by wearing polyester socks. Right. And another level up will be cotton socks. So cotton socks are probably what most people would wear. And what cotton socks do is it soaks up the sweat of, you know, of, of your feet. Tasty. And yeah, imagine all the bacteria. <laughs> imagine all the bacteria just growing on your cotton socks. Yeah. You're just imagining someone that like, loves i don't know like has like a foot fetish and loves to suck toes i'm like bro like uh, yeah yeah cotton socks <laughs> soaks up all the Dude, sweat yeah. like, yo and like, what socks are you wearing if it's a pair of socks i don't want it i want, <laughs> I want a real cotton i don't know Make real sure cotton, cotton yeah. or nothing yeah that real soak up that fucking sweat <laughs> shit like yeah, yeah it really depends on your preference <laughs> yeah. uh, to preface it we're not yucking anyone's yum if you have a foot yeah. fetish like oh man all down man like make sure you maintain your feet this yeah, is how, yeah make sure a partner's into it as well obviously <laughs> But, you know, what, what essentially smells is the bacteria in your sweat. Mm-hmm. And feet is probably one of the kind of area that sweats the most on your body mm-hmm. because it's constantly in the shoes and, you know, it's, it's all of that. So if you wear wool and cotton socks, which is what pear makes, the wool gets, ri- gets rid of the bacteria. It's antibacterial. Mm-hmm. And the cotton will just soak up the excessive moisture. So together, your feet will always stay dry mm-hmm. and fresh. So that's the magic behind our materials. Ta-da. Magic. Back to Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, okay. Because I'm just thinking as well, it it makes sense because when I I had a running error. (laughs) 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 Calling it an error because I kind of fell out of love with running. But when I was like, you know, doing the half maras and that type of thing, um, that's true. Like, like sweat is a big thing, especially when it comes to chafing and things like that with mm. your feet as well. So just as, and you're right, people do overlook it because everyone's just looking at, oh, what's the what's the best shoe for this? Mm. You know, um, these Nikes or these whatever. Like, what yeah, shoes? But the whatever best sh- support, but whatever yeah. shoe you wear, they're gonna smell if you yeah. wear the right socks. Was your, was your running era like, you know, when you got redirected a few too many times so like, is that like <laughs> no. the half marathons and whatever is that <laughs> no. is that the running era no it was because of it was born out of covid because uh. um i needed a way to keep my mental health in check mm. you know yeah so started running and um yeah started at the 10k <laughs> then i was like how can i get better went to the 21k oh no actually i did 23 i did 23 i i was like what is the next step the next step was half mara but i was like i want to do the hardest half mara there is which is the 23 which was the great ocean road wow um and then after that i was like oh fuck the idea of running for about four hours because for a half mara you run for about like a good half mara is like people aim for like about two hours i did about two and a half but if thing if you're doubling that for the full mara i'm like oh I don't think I'm going to find enjoyment for running for like four or five hours. No way. I think so. just self-harm yeah. at some point. No, I, think, I think it would have been easier if you were wearing pair of socks. Really? Yeah, because we have an extra cushion layer and yeah, it keeps your plus, feet dry. Plus 10 points. No, to be, no this is actually science. <laughs> this is actually science. 
I ran a half marathon as well. Yeah. I ran a half marathon. Have you, Eugene? No, I, well, actually, the easiest thing to actually help you finish a half marathon is uh, buying the sneaker laundry products. <laughs> By buying it automatically, it qualifies you to finish the 10 kilometers thing just yeah. from the extra cushioning I, as I well. Th- I think so. I think I could have run a lot faster, not by training harder. <laughs> By <laughs> cleaning my shoes with the sneaker laundry and by wearing pair of socks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the moisture is catching on. I yeah. feel like the moist in your socks will actually get uncomfortable as the run goes for longer. For sure, for sure. It does, it does. Because, yeah. you know, when you run a half marathon, every little thing builds mm. up. We actually had a customer who was 70 years old and he was running the Everest marathon. Wow. At the Everest base camp. And he was 70 years old, running a full marathon. Nathan, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I would not know Everest. Because <laughs> 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 you were confused. I'm like, Whoa. No, it was a place of confusion. I was like, it was disbelief. But it, like, wow, I didn't know Everest had yeah. that. But, and, yeah. and he actually wrote an email and told us that he mm. chose our socks to run that marathon. Oh. Because it keeps him warm. It keeps his feet dry. And There's a campaign right there, Nathan. And it's soft. Yeah. Like it's there's like a soft cushion under yeah. his, under his feet that keeps him, you know, running the but whole, that, whole. But that's how blisters happen, right? On your feet. Like yes. You need you need good protection. Yeah, yeah, and pair of socks are probably the best socks out there that can prevent blisters, which mm. is you know why he chose us. <laughs> Be like the seventy year old guy. <laughs> yeah, pair of socks. Was he seventy? He was, I think, over seventy. Yeah. Wow, respect. Yeah, and yeah. after that, a lot of marathon runners, even triathlon runners, chose our socks to, to that compete. Dude, that dude got redirected all the way to fucking yeah, Everest. They, yeah, they <laughs> <laughs> that's a long way to redirect. Yeah, but a lot of professional athletes, like Olympians last year, has also chosen our socks. Wow. Yeah, actually, two years ago, 2021, right? Yeah, Olympians has chosen our socks as well. And today, Tiana has chosen your socks. Mm. Mm, yes. And I'm milestone. not an Olympian. <laughs> That's a milestone for pair. <laughs> <laughs> not an Olympian, but, uh, you know. Well, on that note, thank you so much, uh, Eugene and Nathan, for coming on down um, and sharing such wisdom about feet. I think now I'll be able to open that OnlyFans. Um, only and re- feet. For, for feet. Only feet. Only uh, feet. It's got only feet. Only feet. Yeah, feet finder, only feet. Oh, is that what it's called? Oh, don't play dumb. <laughs> How do you know what it's called, Eugene? <laughs> oh. Seeing you on there. That's where we, we do our research. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, is we, it di- actually we DM'd called- them and then he, he'll be no, like... No, but is it actually called need- Only Feet? Yeah, that's we, we go on there and we just literally, you need pair socks. You need sneak laundry deodorizer. I can smell your feet well, from here. Well, you never messaged me and I'm on there. Now I can create a profile right after this. Um, I know what I'm going to do. Make some real <laughs> money. <laughs> um, hope you guys enjoyed listening to this. Um, so thank you so much. Do you guys have anything that you want to plug before we, we wrap up? Anything plug, about plug the sneaker eight. laundry? Anything upcoming about pair? First? Talk no. to the camera. Talk to the camera. Um, Sneaker Laundry 2.0 coming real soon. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, while you have your sneakers clean regularly, and if they're really really expensive sneakers, make sure you buy a pair of pairs. So they they will act like insurance for your really expensive <laughs> sneakers. They won't smell they won't smell as bad after two or three years or ten years of wearing them. You know, buy some insurance for your really expensive sneakers. Clean them regularly and go on pair.com.au to find and if you don't like the them, right he will personally refund you <laughs> all your money. Yeah, if they smell after three days, yeah, we can pretty much refund you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much to you guys listening at home. I hope you enjoyed this surprisingly long conversation about feet. Um, and um, 
yeah, cheers to you and your foot fetishes at home. Um, if you like what you listen to, you can <laughs> please remember to follow and subscribe to us on your favourite podcasting platform. Leave us a rating or a review. And you can keep up to date with us on our socials. Um, we're at unapologeticallyazn on Instagram and we're on TikTok as well, where my algorithm is now going to be full of feet. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much. Sending love and good vibes. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.